Welcome to this Kessler Foundation podcast. The Foundation is a global leader in rehabilitation research that seeks to improve cognition, mobility, and long-term outcomes, including employment, for people with neurological disabilities caused by diseases and injuries of the brain and spinal cord. In this episode, we are talking with Dr. Guang Yui. He is the Director of Mobility and Rehabilitation Engineering Research at Kessler Foundation. He spoke with Rob Gerth, the Foundation's Communications Director. So you received your undergrad from Beijing Normal University, and that's was what it was called. It's it's not called that now, right? It's called something it's else. A, yeah, it's a sometimes people call it a teachers university. Teacher, I saw or that. Yeah, normal university. So yeah. And so, what was it like growing up in China? What was grade school like? What was high school like? What was getting into college like? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, um, the you know every um, level of school was very competitive. You need to, like elementary school, you don't have, uh, and middle school and high school, you don't have to pass um, a national exam. Only in college, you need, you know, do the national exam. But uh, even, you know, elementary school and middle school, high school, um, if you want to be in a, in a good school, you have to... Be very competitive. Your 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 exam has to be score has to be high to be admitted to that school. So the uh, uh, my elementary school and uh, middle school and high school uh, were among the best in uh, in that province, which is Hunan province. Mm-hmm. It's similar like a state. Right. Right. I, yeah. China has like thirty provinces. And so the my, you know, the schools I attended, I attended was uh, were among the best in in the province. So uh, you know, it's a very competitive. Yeah. yeah. And do you have to test to get into the best school, or is that just a, a matter of? It's sorry. yeah. It's it's not like here. You if you live in this city, you go to school in this city. You know, unless you go to private school. Right. 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 But in China. Uh, there's only, especially old times, you know, there, there was only limited resources, so they uh, put uh, more resources on some, some schools, so the school is much better than other schools which had less resources. So, uh, so you, you know, everybody had to compete uh, to get a better school if you really want to. So. And was it like a boarding school, or was it like a neighborhood school then for you? It's more like... A, Neighbors, uh, uh, neighborhood school in, for elementary school, but uh, for middle school and high school, it's uh, like a, a big area. For example, people, you know, my classmates, some came from like more than hundred miles. Ah, so okay. they, so we all ha- actually, uh, it's a boarding school. We all, you know, uh, uh, lived in 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 a dorm in in a school, even in the middle and the high school. Right. So. Um, so for middle school and high school, actually, it's, it's for a big area. And and at what point do you have to decide what you want to be growing up in China? Right, yeah, sure. is, is it early on that you have to decide what direction you want to go? or? Well, you know, I, you know as a kid, you know, everybody has, a, <laughs> you know, something uh, they want to do when they grow up. So, you know, 
when I was young, I, I think, you know, scientist was my first choice. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Where, did you have scientists in your family or? Like no, what, what uh, we actually, no. But, uh, you know, my father's work was rela- related to science and technology, uh, engineering. He was an uh, administrator in, uh, in a government um, organization, uh, uh, you know, focused on hydraulic uh, power. Hmm. You know, you make dams and, uh, you know, uh, put you know generators and uh, generate power to you know make uh, electricity you know to to power you know different things you know so yeah his work it was related to but yeah. he, he for himself he he was not an engineer he was not a scientist but yeah. he he worked uh, with many engineers and scientists actually in that area so early on you knew you wanted to be a scientist what what yeah, but, um what science did you want to go into? Did you? Know? I didn't know that. Uh, no. <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I, I probably uh, dreamed more like uh, to be a scientist related to maybe space or you know, or physics something. But I, I less thought about you know become uh, you know biological biological scientist or physiologist or neuroscientist. <laughs> so, <laughs> all the things that you now are. Yeah. So. We'll get to that. I want to find out. I'm going to ask you that question. Hopefully, I'll remember to ask you that question when the time comes is how you ended up in the sciences that you're Mm -hmm. in. But before we do that, how did you make the—so you went to college uh, undergrad Mm -hmm. in in China. How did you make the leap to the U.S. then? Well, for a graduate program. You know, at that time, you know, I came to the U.S. um, in 1984. Um, At that time, you know, graduate programs— in China were very limited. Not many graduate programs, especially related to you know, like motor control or something. Right, right. So very, very little. So, um, uh, but the U.S. you know had many of those those kind of programs. So uh, there are many uh, universities uh, offer the opportunities for people to apply. Um, so. And you ended up at the University of Iowa for your PhD. Yeah. How did you end up in the in the Midwest then, of all places? Well, were, uh, you, were you a country boy or a city boy in China? I, uh, you know, I, I was born a, in the country. Yeah. And um, and then uh, I grew up until second degree, uh, uh, no, second grade, with my uh, par- uh, grandparents uh, on my mother's side. Oh. So uh, that in was the in the countryside. Yeah, when I reached to second grade, so I, you know, I moved to my parents' house, which is uh, in the city, but not a big city. Uh, maybe the city around uh, 100,000 people at that time. Right, so not too yeah. big. So you ended up you ended up the University of uh, Iowa. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you pick that? Was it? Well, there's two, uh, uh, two reasons. Okay. Uh, the first reason. Um, I at that time I started to to study English. I want to improve my uh, my uh, especially my conversation in English. So I because I was in Beijing, so there are many tourists from uh, you know from U.S. from Europe. So I, one day I was in a park. It's a it's a famous park. A lot of uh, you know uh, tourists come go to that park. So I I I, I start to. 
have a conversation with a with a with a person from U.S. and actually he he was a professor uh, <laughs> at University of Iowa. <laughs> what luck! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he asked me about uh, you know what I want to do. I said I want to go to a graduate program in U.S. He said, "How about you apply our, our university?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was that's, that was uh, you know the first uh, reason I ended up uh, in Iowa, and then. Uh, I you know I uh, gave me an assistantship. Ah. Yeah, so that covers my you know tuition and also you know um, uh, living costs. So. And how, how was your English at that point where you decided to go to the University of Iowa? Was well, it? I think my um, written English was not too bad. I got a pretty high TOEFL score, and my uh, GRE score was also reasonable. Yeah, but I my um, uh, conversational conversational English was uh, relatively poor. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> that's always my goal to improve. So. Yeah, well, be- way better than any my, any of my languages I speak other than English, <laughs> which is zero. You so. know, this is a difficult area because uh, when you uh, start to learn another language when you are already uh, adult, right? It's really difficult. Yeah, yeah, I can see how my son. Who uh, you know English pick up? He was so quickly. You know he was when he was here. It's only four. Right. Yeah. He um, only about a couple of weeks. He start to talk <laughs> English. And <laughs> That's great. So so at the University of Iowa, you ended up uh, studying uh, sensory motor neuroscience. So what? Yeah, how, how did? Tell me how you got into that. Then. It's more like a motor control. It's motor control, but it's a program is called you know sensory motor uh, neuroscience. Um, so, and also it's related to exercise science. Exercise uh, science? Yeah, exercise oh. science. So, um, uh, the department is called exercise exercise science. Oh. So, but the department has many different uh, PhD programs. There's uh, biomechanics. There was uh, you know motor control, uh, sensor uh, motor neuroscience. There was um, um, uh, uh, exercise physiology, which is more related to like metabolism and uh, you know. And uh, there was also uh, programs re- related to you know sports or athletic training and administration. Yeah. So, so what got you there? Like, what what clicked in your head that you said, "Yeah, that's the major I want to," or "That's yeah. the PhD I want to pursue." Yeah, I, you know, uh, I when I was a college student, I was uh, you know a uh, track team. So, uh-huh. so, so I always uh, relate, you know, interest. I, I was all, always interested in uh, yeah, motor control. You know how the nervous system controls the movements. And, uh, and so when I went to University of Iowa, they, you know, they, there's yeah, it's, it's fantastic. There's a motor control program, and then there's and I can study uh, towards my PhD degree there. So. And, and I got to ask. So in, in track, what's what event were you? Were you a runner or in track? Were you a runner? Yeah, or a runner. So like a middle distance runner. Yeah. And my ma- major um, uh, event is uh, fifteen hundred meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, how's your time these days? Well, it's about uh, um, about three three minutes. Yeah. It's not too bad. That's it's not pretty too good. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> Gotta, it's at a certain age, you got to be like, yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. That was pretty good yeah. at that time. Now I cannot do that anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So, and then you went on from there, you went on to the University of Arizona. What did you study there? You st- yeah, Arizona was, uh, you know, a postdoc program. So I, I, that's, I specifically uh, contacted the, my mentor, you know, Roger Inoka. Mm-hmm. He, he is a very well-known um, um, uh, motor control, uh, sensor motor uh, neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. And, In uh, China? No, here. Oh, here, okay. At the University of Arizona at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I contacted him, uh, asked him whether he had any opening for uh, post postdoc training. And uh, at that time, he just got an NIH grant, and he, he was, uh, you know, looking for a new postdoc. <laughs> so that's a really, you know, good time. Yeah, that was good timing, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what did you study there? Tell me, tell me about... The uh, so you know when I arrived at uh, Arizona, I thought Inoka gave me a um, like a very specific project to do, which is related to control of uh, motor units. You know, I don't know if you know motor unit. Motor units is the smallest um, unit in the muscle that can control the force output. Okay, you can control. I mean, not. You know the smallest, of course. You know the each muscle fiber that, that when con- is that contract, then general force. But uh, that you cannot control each muscle fiber. The only thing you can control is the motor unit. A motor unit is uh, a group of muscle fibers innervated by a motor neuron in the spinal cord. Uh, by what? Uh, what in by the a motor neuron. Motor neuron. Okay. In the spinal, in the spinal cord. Got so it. The, the neurons project to that to that. To a number of muscle fibers, and then the, the nerves descend the uh, the uh, axon, you know, f- from the uh, neuron cell body mm-hmm. runs to the muscle, and this particular axon of nerve fiber, you know, split to each fiber. So, for example, like a big muscle, like a quadricep, each neuron controls like hundreds of muscle fibers, but to complete a motor u- unit. Okay. Okay. But uh, like uh, some other muscle, like hand muscle or eye muscle control, eye, uh, one, one motor neuron only control like 10, 20 muscle fibers. So so you were studying each one of those individual groups? Each of the uh, motor neurons. Yeah. Uh, I mean motor units, yeah. So the way to study is to put, um, put a, you know, uh, intramuscular electrodes, like to insert the electrode by a needle into the muscle. And you observe how, when you ask the person to, for example, uh, index finger uh, abduction, like this movement. Right. So you ask the person okay. to, so you, the person against the force transducer. So the person starts to generate some force. So you, I'm, I just want to describe for people, so you have your hand flat on the table, mm-hmm. and between your thumb and your forefinger, you're moving your forefinger towards yeah, your so thumb. Yeah, so your thumb will be f- uh, fixed, so right. you cannot move your thumb. Right. And these three fingers are fixed. So the only th- only finger you can move is this one. Your pointer finger, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the, so the finger is against uh, a, a trans, uh, force sensor. Something that's measuring how hard it can push. Right. Got it. So, and then, so the, then... Uh, since you have the electrode in the muscle, it's actually like so a little needle, start, right? Try, right. <laughs> it's like a little needle in your muscle. Yeah. All right, okay. So then you can watch uh, how the muscle fire, a particular motor unit fire, based on the level of muscle, the the, uh, the level of force the muscle generates. So, right. 
So that's what, what he, so the specific question he wanted me to, to look at is yeah. uh, when, the, when the person keep doing this, get, get really fatigued, how that motor unit behavior change, so. As it gets tired, as the muscle gets tired. Right, yeah. And what, just out of curiosity now, just to finish it off, what did you discover? Did you, what was the findings? Well, the finding was, you know, the, uh, when, <clears throat> um, when they, uh, the, since you are against, the, so in, in that particular task, usually your, your, your fingers are against the same, same load for as long as you can. Right. For example, 30% of your maximum load, okay? Yeah. So you, you keep doing as long as you can. At the beginning, you only need you know, full, few more units to participate in that particular work. But uh, when you get tired, you can see from the screen that shows the firing of the motor unit, and there's more and more motor units jumping in because you know some of the earlier motor units get tired, and some may, may, may cease the fire, and some new one has to jump in to, 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 to keep the work doing, uh, going until everyone gets tired, then you have to you know, <laughs> give up. <laughs> and, th- and then just out of curiosity, because you do a lot of work like this, yeah. did you, do you, as the scientist, do you translate that into, oh, well, here's an exercise, you know, here's an exercise routine that would help you fight this problem or help this, help this out. Do you, do, you do, do you take it that far, or do you just, here's the paper, let somebody else figure out? Well, yeah, you know, some, some uh, physiological findings, it's difficult to directly, you know, apply to, to your everyday activities. Uh, some you can uh, indirectly relate to, and some may be directly, but it really depends on uh, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, for the, motor, like for the motor unit study, so that's we understand how the, you know, motor units are recruited by the nervous system and how that's affected by the uh, fatigue. Uh, so that, you know, we really cannot make a direct application to everyday life, so it's difficult. But it's uh, I- improve our knowledge yeah. about you know, how nervous system control muscles, especially under the uh, fatigue conditions. And then from, from there you went to the Cleveland Clinic Learner, yeah. right? How did you end up there? Is that, is that, did you go directly from uh, University of Arizona to there, or? Actually, it? that's a, another story. So oh, my, my mentor, uh, Dr. Roger Inoka, he left uh, Arizona. He was actually recruited by Cleveland Clinic. Uh, to be, uh, uh, you know, a sign, uh, you know, faculty member uh, for professor. Uh, at that time, I, I, I had not finished my pro, uh, my postdoc uh, program yet, right. so I went with him together. Oh. So that was an, um, uh, about two years, a little bit less than two years uh, after I came to his uh, his lab. So he moved to uh, Cleveland Clinic. 1993 in the spring. I moved to Cleveland 1993 in September, so like a half a year after him, because I had to finish some work um, uh, in Tucson, Arizona. And then, so when I arrived at Cleveland Clinic, I, I was still a postdoc fellow or research associate. Right. right? So. And then at that time, I started to write my own grant. And uh, so, from 1994, I received the first, a relatively small grant, um, 
that can support myself. So they, um, they, they, they uh, Kenny McKinney promoted me to like it's called a project staff, mm-hmm. or similar like uh, you know research assistant professor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so I started to work on my own uh, project, and in 1996. Uh, Roger Inoka left Cleveland Clinic. He went to Universal Colorado Boulder because of some uh, family problems, so reasons. So he left the Cleveland. So, but I, it's also it's a, it's coincident. At the same time, I received my first R one NIH grant, nineteen ninety six, a top level grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. R one, and then basically the Cleveland Clinic, you know let me take over Roger Inok's lab. <laughs> so you live sort of a charmed life, is what you're saying. Huh? You live sort of a charmed life. Yeah. Yeah, everything seems to happen just at the right time right. for yeah, you yeah. to so move I, up. I have been lucky, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I become a PI, I become a, you know, assistant professor uh, because of, you know, as you said, it's, you know, our one is a prestigious uh, uh, award that uh, everybody recognizes. Yeah. Uh, um, and so that's uh, 1996. And then when did you start? Because one of the things I'm interested, very interested in, is this work that you did, and I hope I get this right, yeah. using mental imagery to strengthen muscles. Because right now, as we sit here, I'm working on my six-pack, yeah. just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about that. How did yeah. that come about? That, that's got to be like one of the biggest things you did at the Cleveland Clinic, I think right? that's uh, one of the... Um, I was, uh, you know, one of the things I, I proud the most. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the reason I did that, um, you know, I was taking, you know, courses for my uh, graduate studies at Iowa. Uh, then, um, you know, um, I learned for muscle strength. Uh, if you go to a gym and uh, train your muscle, uh, try to get uh, your strength increased, and there are actually two factors uh, related to uh, contribute to the, the strength gain. And one is actually the first one is a neural. It's a neural factor, which is how strongly your brain can generate the signal to your muscle. Okay? Okay, all right. Yeah. And the second one is a muscle factor, which is uh, when you, you Go to gym and uh, lift heavy weights, and your muscle become bigger. It's called a muscle hypertrophy. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the one I understood. Yeah. The first the one. The first I one actually is more important. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell actually, me. About, tell me about that. The first one is more important, and actually, it's more, uh, much more important in rehabilitation. Um, so, if you do a, a voluntary contraction. You cannot do. You cannot generate any f- force or strength without uh, your voluntary command from your brain to go to your muscle. So this 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 command or this uh, uh, signal, uh, in everybody, in normal people, for example, um, this command is always not big enough to recruit all your muscle fibers. There's a big reserve in your muscle, even though you try your hardest. So, your hardest. So if I'm doing a, a, a bicep curl, yeah, right. I've if got, you, for example, lift uh, 50 pounds, for example, right. 
you probably only use even though you try your 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 your, your best effort, right? You probably only use uh, 50, 60, or maximum 70 percent of your muscles. Really? Right. Okay. Because your 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 uh, nervous system is not designed in a way that you can always maximally active your muscle. There's always a reserve. For athletes, they can do better, but still they cannot 100%. Huh. So, so that's why if you train yourself to do uh, weights, you can slowly, uh, progressively improve your brain's ability to generate bigger signal to recruit more motor units or more, more, more muscle fibers, and then you can generate a greater uh, force. So that you, you, that's, that's the reason your strength can increase, even without uh, muscle change. So that's where, that's where I get stumped then. So, so I can increase, can I increase the size of my muscle? You can, but uh, the size of muscle increase had, cannot happen in, in at least two or three weeks later. There's no way you can change your muscle size uh, like one week or two weeks. Usually people think it's about at least four to six weeks you Just, can change your muscle size. So tell me how, practically how do, you, uh, how do you look at this? How do you... So even you go to do physical training, right. strength training, yeah. um, you, the first part of your strength increase or strength gain is from your nervous system. You, you know, there's the improvement of your nervous system to recruit your muscle, to recruit more muscle to participate in the, in the activity. So that, beyond your muscle getting bigger or how much weight you're lifting, it's not about that. It's, it's about, another, it's yeah, about. It's a nervous system. Yeah. So from that, you know, after I learned that, so I, I started thinking, if, what if I don't do a physical, I only do my, you know, train my nervous system. Yeah. Can I get a, you know, strength increase? Yeah. So that's why, I, you know, I, I, I designed this experiment myself and um, to ask people to think about not just, the, you know, in your mind that you're watching somebody doing that, but you have to really uh, kind of a similar, like uh, you urge your muscle contract. Right. Urging, that's a key, key word. Urge. Yeah. Yeah. Urge. Yeah. If you do correctly, and my first my first study uh, showed that in a little uh, actually my first study I, I trained this little finger muscle here. You're, okay, the little and finger. Because the reason because you don't use it very much, right. so there's a lot of uh, room to improve. So I so I only trained four weeks. The average <clears throat> the average strength increase was twenty two percent. So, and you trained it, so I got my hand flat on the table again, and instead yeah. of uh, moving my pinky yeah, finger away from my other fingers. And yeah, that so just so you think about your, your, your fingers. So you're not, actually, you're not actually moving your finger. No. You're just thinking about so moving we put your the finger. So we'll put the electrode on, the mu uh, on top of the muscle make sure that the muscle was not activated. Right on the side of your hand you're pointing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right below your pinky actually, finger. This is the muscle. Yeah. Yeah. So muscle right below your, mm -hmm. uh, your pinky finger. Right. And so without actually moving it, you're just thinking about yeah. what it would be like to move it, mm -hmm. and then go ahead. What did you discover then? So there was a 22% 20, 20, increase of the strength in, after four weeks of training, like three times a week, uh, you know, um, three times a week and uh, about 15 to 20 minutes uh, each, each time. So people get more than 20% 20, 20 increase of the strength. And did the muscle get any bigger at that no, point? No, no. But, but the strength went up that yeah, much. Yeah. 
that's a that's a that's a good uh, demonstration of uh, you know the muscles strength increase from nervous system without a you know muscle change. And so, what what did you do with this study? What did you, how did you what did you do next then? Yeah. Uh, so uh, later on, so people argue that uh, okay, so yeah, we, we see you 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 had this uh, you know fantastic result, uh, but uh, uh, can you get the strength increase from other muscles like your biceps you use every day? Um, so <clears throat> uh, we then trained another. Uh, There's another study we 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 compared. Uh, the uh, strength changes uh, of biceps and uh, and the same uh, little finger muscle. Right. And we we saw actually it's true that um, um, we had about sixteen about uh, against about four four, t- uh, four weeks training, we had a um, no this is not a four week this is a much longer training. So we, we actually we want to see uh, you know the the. The slope of the strength change. Right. <laughs> I think we had uh, like a twelve-week uh, training. Okay. That was done in cli- at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, so we saw the biceps. Um, we had about sixteen percent strength increase after uh, four weeks, and then um, later on there's more increase, but those are, are attributed to to muscle get a, get a bigger, uh, but it I've, actually got bigger. Yeah, later. Yeah, later. Yeah, but after four weeks, it's not bigger. Right. Uh, the f- for the little finger, uh, it's about the same uh, after four or five weeks, but uh, later on, so it's uh, increased to about thirty eighty percent total. Um, so also, we look at the muscle using MRI, look at the muscle, so muscle also get bigger. Uh, so this combination of uh, neuro and, and and also it shows that uh, the the mental training or imagery training can increase not only this little muscle uh, strength but also you know bigger muscle you use every day. So but uh, to a lower extent. So this must have made the news, right? I mean, people. Oh must yeah, have been the news are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got calls from Germany, from <laughs> Japan, from everywhere at you know, that time. <laughs> I spent a few years at Men's Health yeah. Magazine working there, and I can just like, yeah, if I was there during this time, this would uh, be a story. There is also, you know, there's a, a you know request like a, a, a news people f- uh, from a foreign country, like as you remember. Uh, from South Korea, they want to fly to U.S. to interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? So, why aren't you uh, incredibly rich and and have a giant uh, mansion somewhere? Mm. Like, what what happened then with this research? What, what did you What did you do? Because, like oh. I said, you were in the news, and this was a pretty cool thing yeah, to be yeah. able to do. Yeah. So we try to apply this to like a rehabilitation because you know, uh, you know, I, I said a bit, uh, earlier times that. Uh, this is really important for rehabilitation because yeah. a lot of people who cannot go to gym and who cannot do you know high intensity muscle exercise, but they 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 have a healthy brain. You right. know they can use their mind to 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 to, to do this uh, you know um, mental uh, exercise or mental training to get stronger or at least maintain their muscle uh, you know condition. So so the, then we we did a we did a, a agent study. Uh, when I was at Clement, that was also supported uh, our one grant. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, what was that? What did you do? Yeah, just uh, you know, just, 
elderly people can also, uh, like young people, they can use their mind and increase the strength. So, yeah. And now, actually, this uh, cancer weakness study, it's based on similar similar idea. So it's, uh, the whole um, using your mind. Right. So, you know, this cancer study, you know, cancer weakness study, support another one right now. Um, so basically, we, we, we ask people to uh, generate uh, low muscle force, but I apply strong, strong mental effort. So the reason to use a low level because when you always ask people to, you know, keep the muscle silent, that's really difficult. Yeah. But if you but allow them to have, a, you know, not look at the muscle activity, but mainly concentrate on, on, on the mind, uh, even though there's some 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 muscle activity, but it's okay, you know, because everybody can generate some other muscle activity as long as it's not too high, you know, for 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 patient, for example. So you've been applying this sort of technique to, and in this case, it's it's it, it what we call around here cancer fatigue, right? Yeah. So it's it's so it's. This is actually for cancer weakness. Cancer weakness. Yeah. Okay, and that's different than fatigue. No. So yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so cancer weakness. Uh, meaning people are in the throes of cancer or cancer rehab, or is it rehab? Is it rehab? Is that where you're working with them, or are you working with them during their treatment? No, yeah, we actually uh, it's, it's, this is an independent study, so right. we we do not uh, collaborate closely with uh, you know cancer rehabilitation clinic, but it's uh, we just uh, ask them to help us to recruit patients to join our study. Okay, so. Okay, and um, so so tell me so tell me a little bit about that study then. So you're asking them to tell tell me you're asking them to um, do essentially exercise with their mind. Is that is that what you're doing? Do you give them like do? Yeah, similar idea. So um, so there's there's uh, the study has you know has um, three three cancer patient groups. Uh, one is a control group. Uh, you know, just to just get tested, repeat, you know, you know, many times. Yep, just testing the strength uh, without any exercise. Yep. So that's a control group. So we just see how whether you know with a longitudinal testing if there's any change. And uh, another group is uh, I call it um, high mental effort group. So so they are uh, instructed to. Um, this is a, this I think this is a, a elbow flexion, like a bicep curl. Yeah, bicep. Yeah. yeah. So they are instructed to. It's a hand grip. I'm sorry. Oh, hand grip. That's okay. <laughs> hand grip. Yeah, it's a hand grip. So they are asked to you know, just carefully generate, you know, a level of uh, grip so it may generate some. Uh, not more than 30% of maximum force. So they're so, actually squeezing the hand grip? Yeah, and, to okay. some extent. So we are not, we are not uh, particularly encouraging to just concentrate on generating a very precise force. But as long as you don't go, go over. Right. So, so, so but mainly uh, focus on urging the muscle right. to contract maximally. So this is a, it's a complicated process in the, in, in, in the nervous system. So first of all, you have to, you only allow to do this uh, low level contraction, but then, uh, on the other hand, you, your mind trying to generate a very strong signal. Right. 
Yeah, it seems complicated, but you can do it relatively easily. You know, once you get used to it. And the idea is to yeah. train them, train them how to use their mind to yeah. strengthen their body. Right. So again, urge or urgent, it's a, it's a keyword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, otherwise, people sometimes just think, oh, I'm just thinking something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to work really hard in your mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and the the the, uh, the third group is a low mental effort. So they basically, you know, uh, using the muscle to a similar extent, uh, you know, generates a low force. But in the same time, so we present on a TV or computer screen uh, to let them watch a TV program that they, they chose uh, at the beginning. They are interested in, for example, a TV series or, you know, a movie or something. So even though they're generating something, but uh, their mind is concentrated on something else. So they're, they're watching. Not, they're not urging their mind. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I they're got inter- it. They're, they're concentrating and watching the uh, program. They're very interested. In. Got it. So got it's it. a mo- low mental effort, <coughs> effort related to this particular motor task. How did you make the uh, jump to using this as rehab then when you were there at um, the Cleveland Clinic? Like, how- Well, you know, the uh, rehab... Probably it's the mo- uh, the it's an area that uh, the this idea of this uh, particular uh, research uh, topic can be applied uh, relatively easily and also with uh, wide application. You know, many neurologic patients and many cancer patients, uh, orthopedic patients. You know, they all have uh, limited ability to use and you know, uh, doing a high-level or high-intensity physical exercise, but they, they, they can always use, use their mind to, to, to uh, you know, maintain or improve their muscle, muscle, muscle strength. And then from your past experience and, and um, what you think this, this study is going to bring out is, is w- what's the benefit of being able to exercise with this urgency, with urgentness, um, what's the benefit then for the patient? Like, how does that help them? Well, they, you know, they, they, they can, uh, they can maintain their muscles, muscle health. You know, they, you know, uh, one, the, the reason the muscle degenerates is you don't use it. Right. And the way you don't use it specifically is that the muscle do not receive input from your nervous system. But uh, with this kind of a uh, uh, training, uh, the, the nervous system is sending a uh, signal to your muscle. The muscle is actually still lively connected with your, your nervous system. So the muscle will be, uh, condition will be maintained. Especially for, for patients, we don't really interesting ask a patient, asking patient, oh, try to do exercise without activity, make, make your muscle silent. No, we, we try to ask them to just, you know, you don't have to exercise your muscle to high intensity that you, you make you nervous. But uh, you know, just uh, if you can do some level of exercise, that's fine. And but uh, make sure that you 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 make your brain work work hard. And is it is it someday? Do you imagine like there'll be like a workout, like for people that can't do any of the lifting at all? You'll have like okay, here's you know here's do three reps of thinking about biceps, do three reps of thinking about like is that what you imagine this could be someday? Is like a whole training program? Well, um, 
like for young people, for healthy people, I always suggest them to do your physical exercise right. as hard as you can because this way you train both your muscle and your brain to, you know, to the um, you know highest extent, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, for patients or people who have um, you know limitations uh, to do high level, you know, high intensity muscle exercise. Uh, but, uh, you know, keep doing whatever you can with your physical exercise, but make sure that you get your nervous system involved in a high level. And then um, you, not only then you can maintain your muscle uh, condition or muscle health, but also you may be able to improve it. You may be improved your, your, your strengths that uh, can help you. And many many functions, for example, balance, you know, strength is a major factor of the balance. A balance, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or... Uh, many everyday activities, for example, carry grocery, grocery bags and then, you know, walk in the yard, they always, you know, requires a certain level of, of muscle strength. And so there's, a, there's a m- many applications. That's very cool. And, and mm-hmm. you're, still, you're still experimenting with it yeah, after sure. all these years. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Next, my next experiment, if I get a grant to do this, I really want to see how what happened in the brain that um, you know after you know many weeks of uh, this kind of you know mental training how the brain change and how the connection between brain and the muscle change and how that change correlate with change of the muscle strength so that's something i really want to do okay <laughs> i can't wait yeah, that's gonna... a difficult one but, but it needs to be done yeah if you only knew a place that had a giant MRI machine. <laughs> MRI, yeah, of course. Um, and also some uh, maybe, um, you know, you know the uh, high-density EEG and the TMS we're doing. Yeah. Uh, that can do, you know, all can answer some questions. Put it all together, yeah. Mm. Well, so let's, because we're talking, I've made a joke about Kessler having an MRI machine. Um, so let's talk about Kessler here for a second. So... Uh, you left the Cleveland Clinic after, I think, 18 years, right, to come here to Kessler Foundation. That must have been a little scary. Like 18 years, I've never had a job for longer than four or five years. So okay. so to be somewhere for 18 years, wait a minute, I think, yes, I've been married for 18 years, just this July. So, you know, and I'm not planning on changing that because it would just be too many things I'd have to figure out if I changed it. Um, not to mention I love my wife. Um how did you come to that decision? Or how did that come about? Well, 18 years actually is, is, is really long. But I think about, I, you know, till January next year, I've been here at Castle Foundation for 80 years. For That's how long? Eight. Eight, okay. Yeah, so it seems a very short time. It's already 80 years. <laughs> yes, just eight years. <laughs> so, but, I, you know, the, the, the reason I came to Castle Foundation, first of all, you know, uh, the foundation approached me. Yeah. Uh, the first time I, I, I was contacted was by a recruiter. I think somehow I can't remember exactly what happened, but Roger contacted me. Roger, the CEO. Yeah, right, Roger contacted me and asked me uh, whether you know, I would like to come to Castle uh, Foundation, work at the Castle Foundation. Uh, so I think I came for an interview and gave a presentation and went back to Cleveland. At that time, when I told Cleveland clinics that I was planning to 
uh, moved to uh, New Jersey, Casper, and the key, uh, Cleveland Clinic uh, worked really hard trying to keep me there. <laughs> 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 they gave a counter offer, and uh, and uh, the uh, the department chair of uh, both biomedical engineer and uh, uh, PMR. Uh, they both met me and asked me what I want, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they made it even harder. Yeah, so that's really that's a really hard, very hard decision. Uh, because since I I, I had worked in Cleveland, at Cleveland Clinic for so long, and then 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 the the leadership was so um, uh, you know uh, trying so hard to to to. to Keep me there. Yeah. So eventually, so I I um I decided to stay. Oh. Uh, Kidding clinic. <laughs> that was a. Uh, I think that was nineteen. A uh, two thousand nine. Uh, two thousand nine. Uh huh. Two thousand nine. Um. So. So I sent Roger an email. I can't remember. It's maybe a letter. And then so it was so hard. That's, that's that decision was so hard. And I was uh, I was uh, very afraid to 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 pick up Roger's phone I phone call. I can imagine yeah. because he probably thought, "Oh boy, yeah. I have this new guy, and he's great." <laughs> so when I you know the, the phone has a, you know window that can show the phone number. When I saw the <laughs> see the number from from a, from Castle Foundation or, or Roger's cell phone, so I, did, I I even did not pick up. So, <laughs> <laughs> for many times, <laughs> for many times. So, so what happened then? Because you're here now, so you're yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was in, uh, 2009. So what happened? So, so about two years later, 2011. Um, I, you know, at that time I almost forgot about Roger and, right. and the phone numbers. <laughs> and I, one day the phone rang. Just picked so I picked it up. up. That was wrong. <laughs> That's two years later. <laughs> oh boy! So, so he had another offer. Well, he's still asking me to consider, you know, <laughs> uh, Castle Foundation's uh, position. Um, but you know, as as you said previously, you know, it's, it's, it's many times it's just on, you know, it's a. So, uh, you know, it's a coincidence or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so, so things uh, come together at that time. So, um, so the person, you know, the uh, the department chair, uh, PMR department chair at Kinnaman Clinic, uh, my good friend, and uh, he worked with me closely, and uh, he left by that time. Oh. And the way he left, I was not happy because uh, he was recruited by Kinnaman Clinic. Uh, give him give him a big uh, package to to let him uh, you know build a strong rehabilitation research program. Right. After three years or something, yeah, after a few years, uh, he's still in the process of you know building the program. Uh, actually, I I was in charge of that program, right. the research program. Right. And for some you know things uh, you know political reasons. Sure. He. Um, Clement Kennedy took back that uh, that uh, package, oh. and he could not use that resource anymore. Oh, so that so means that you know, and without any reason I know, you know. So, 
So he he actually was not very he was uh, very disappointed and he he decided to leave. Mm. And I also thought you know he was you know he was lured to the Cleveland Clinic and gave a big package. And then after he came and then took the package back. So yeah. I thought that's that's unethical thing to do. Yeah. So I was un unhappy. At that time, I I you know I lost my confidence uh, of uh, you know to Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. Uh, about that time, Roger, yeah. Roger Longo came. <laughs> You're just a lucky dog, that's yeah. all. You're just a lucky so, guy. Yeah, that's the reason I came to, to the Castle Foundation. <laughs> that's great. So, so your, your job here, then, is, I'm going to read it, Director of Mobility and Rehabilitation Engineering Research. And that, as we've t discussed, I mean, that cuts across a lot of fields, biomechanics, bioengineer, yeah. Uh, movement analysis, robotics, um, neuroimaging. At what point do you think that you know rehabilitation used to be something, and now it's now it's about engineering, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah engineering, of course, it's a, it's a big part of the uh, rehabilitation, medical rehabilitation. It, it wasn't always though, right? It wasn't always about engineering. Or? Well, I. It's always uh, there's a rehab. Uh, I mean, engineering component, but not as big as now. Yeah. You know, you know, all the times that people there's a you know orthotic, right? You know, programs that uh, make uh, you know artificial uh, limbs, uh, artificial joint. Yeah. But now there's the technology is so so you know so much advanced, and there's so many new uh, new initiatives and uh, uh, advancements and um, there's so many different uh, assistive devices, you know, all, yeah, the, 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 the definitely it's a, a much bigger component now. And it's all interconnected somehow, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think um, we're doing with, the, with neuro neurological diseases uh, is, are we are we getting anywhere as far as the rehab goes are you seeing improvements uh, is the is the engine all this engineering is it helping and how's it helping yeah so i think it's uh, you know all all components components i mean components of um, you know rehabilitation you know including you know engineering including uh, you know activity training including you know physiological uh, studies that uh, help understanding, you know, you know, the neuromuscular system that make a movement. Um, but I think the 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 big problem now for neurological uh, disorders, uh, we still don't know how the system, uh, I mean, neuromuscular system, nervous system, muscular system. We still don't know how the system after injury, after disease. It, and you know, uh, uh, regenerate and repair. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a major obstacle that uh, preventing people getting more, uh, getting quicker and more complete uh, recovery. So we this is that that knowledge is still lacking. So you just at this point you're. I mean, that's kind of what your research is, is trying to figure out, trying to figure that out, I guess, is how... I mean, that part, you know, it's a more like a basic science that I think that people, many people are doing animal research, uh, you know, more specifically <coughs> looking into that particular um, 
uh, questioning, you know, how the system regenerates, how the system repair uh, itself uh, after injury, after disease. Uh, for us, you know, we are doing system, uh, you know, clinical studies. Uh, we try to uh, <clears throat> understand, you know, a given uh, technology or given treatment, um, whether this these treatments uh, can improve this particular function better than other treatment. And eventually, we also want to understand if this treatment give us a better outcome. Uh, it's related to, you know, better, you know, neuroplasticity or neuro, uh, and nervous system uh, changes that, uh, you know, we can see using our MR machine, using our EEG system, using our TMS system, for example. So. Yeah. So, but we cannot. We we, you know, labs in our center cannot uh, tell. You know, on a basic science level, how the cell, uh, like uh, nervous uh, nerve cells or muscle cell change. Or that's uh, more difficult for us. You can figure out what's working, but you can't say why for sure. Yeah. But yeah. we probably can say on a system level, for example, the whole on the brain, mm-hmm. on the muscle, on the on the you know, on a uh, whole level, uh, whether the changes can be correlated with 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 outcome or with, with the recovery. What are what are some of the things as far as since you've been here that you're most proud of that your labs have studied? Yeah, you know, as I said, you know, uh, one of these uh, my previous research research out, you know outcomes is is uh, uh, prove that sh- demonstrating that. Uh, you know, just using your mind can increase your strength. That's probably something I really want to tell people. Yeah. <laughs> that seems so, like news every time you say yeah, it. So yeah. that's great. And I still receive, you know, the uh, um, reporters and... Uh, They're still calling you about yeah, it? Yeah, still calling about, about well, and you writing, keep... <laughs> writing something. And um, another area that I, I you know, um, I'm, I'm excited about is... Uh, our research related to uh, muscle fatigue or in, or physical fatigue in general. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, even though you know you get a physical fatigue uh, due to motor activities, but uh, the fatigue actually uh, has two components. One is the cognitive fatigue. One is uh, uh, muscle fatigue. Mm-hmm. So, when I say cognitive fatigue, it's not probably a little bit different than cognitive fatigue that uh, NL <coughs> the <coughs> study. When I talk about cognitive fatigue, is the muscle lost the ability uh, in the process to recruit muscle? I mean, the the, the nervous system lost the ability to recruit muscle to uh, to participate in the motor activity. So I, I see that's also a cognitive component because so you know the nerve, central nervous system uh, lost the ability to uh, recruit the muscle for for the motor activity. Um, because that happened, you know, uh, you know, happened at the higher level of the system, and also uh, higher level than even uh, a motor cortex. Mm-hmm. You know, motor cortex is a, is a, is a particular motor um, brain area that controls the muscle, but uh, above the motor cortex is is um, brain areas that uh, send. The um, signal to motor cortex, mm. telling motor cortex what to do. So, right, right. So, so, so 
even with the physical fatigue, uh, there's there's a mental part that you you have you lost ability to uh, generate to drive your muscle. It's not just that your muscles are tired. Right. It's that yeah. your brain yeah. can't, for whatever yeah. reason, yeah. can't. Right. So recruit them. Yeah. The next uh, the next is a muscle fatigue itself. So m- many patients, when we look at the um, data, uh, they are fatigued mainly from the nervous system. They, when, when they, you know, lost ability to continue the, the motor activity, when we look at the muscle, the muscle still relatively uh, unfatigued. The muscle still could, could do it. generate force, but uh, because they lost the muscle lost the uh, signal from the brain, so there's no driving signal. The muscle had to stop. <laughs> right, right. Most people, I yeah, yeah. that's I, that'll never I'll never get tired of thinking about that. That's that's like a perfect place to end. So I think I'll end it right there. Thank you for being with me. I really appreciate you talking to us. Oh, you're welcome. This is my pleasure. For more information about Kessler Foundation, go to kesslerfoundation.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts.